yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 uh, look, uh, ball player, ball player, no watching from the side, said that you got him next, we'll go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Up Next, the podcast where we tell you who's up next in youth sports. Once again, we're heavy on basketball. I'm Jamal Murphy, and I got my co-host extraordinaire, Khalid Green, in the house. What's going on? Peace, everyone. Um, excited, excited, and honored to have. Uh, a lot of times we have special guests, but we don't. We this is our first legend, so <laughs> right. so we we have the legendary, capital L, uh, Leonard Hamilton, Coach Lem- Leonard Hamilton of Florida State tonight, man. We're excited. Yeah, I find I find those types of terminologies when you're associated with me to be a little strange. I've been a grinder all my life, you know, kind of on the radar, you know, just kind of sliding around here and there. We pop our heads up every once in a while, and uh, we kind of go back in the hole. So hopefully now we we'll start getting a little bit more respect. But I kind of like that underdog role. We like well, coming from out surprising people every year, but. It's getting yeah. to the point now where people are not quite as surprised as they were earlier. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, no. Got, it's hard to surprise people now when you keep you keep winning consistently in the ACC, uh, when you have 579 career wins, uh, ACC champs last year before everything went downhill with the pandemic. But uh, uh, like Khalid said, uh, we got Leonard Hamilton, the legend with us, uh, future Hall of Famer, originally from Gastonia, North Carolina. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And, you know, when I was uh, in Miami, I had a a, a talk show that the, the year I, I was I set out between the Wizards and Florida State, and I didn't want to be bored, so I, I started doing this talk show that's on the north side of town. And I got a healthy respect for what you guys do because I found myself studying everything that happened that night, and then I realized I had to get up early in the morning Instead of what happened on the West Coast that, that <laughs> night, and right. then I had to drive almost an hour on the north side of town. And I said, this is what I expected. <laughs> 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 so then I have a help and respect for what you guys do. No and question. then I made the mistake of doing a radio show, a night radio show, one night a week up in Fort Lauderdale. So then mm. it came on at 7, which means now to beat the, the, the traffic, you got to leave at 3. To, to go an hour and a half to get there, I said, man, I'm supposed to be on vacation. So, <laughs> listen, I got a healthy respect for what you guys do. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, yes, sir. Peace to you, okay? Peace, Thank yes, you. indeed. <laughs> Thank you. We always start to show off, you know, when we're talking to, you know, young players in the game, young big-time prospects, we always ask them, you know, how, how they got started. And but So, with a legend like you, we definitely got to ask you how this all came about for you. When did you start playing basketball? When did you develop a love for it? When did you know you wanted to be a coach? Well, in fact, in fact, uh, I can remember my father saying, you have to get your education. My father went to the ninth grade. My mother went to the seventh grade. And um, it became obvious that they had a ceiling on what they could do. Mm. My father was, he never complained. He didn't have any racial issues. He was just said, I want to be paid the same thing for doing the same job. Mm. And that was a challenge back in the 60s when that I came along. And he made it very clear that he was stuck in a certain position in life and couldn't get out of it because of lack of education. So as a fourth grader, he told me very clear, I have absolutely no money to contribute to you getting the education. So if you're going to 
get an academic scholarship or athletic scholarship, but you got to go get your degree. But obviously, nobody ever accused me to be in the sharpest knife in the drum. You know, so, so, <laughs> so. Uh, but anyway, so a non-basketball player, a guy who had two left feet, had a basketball rim on his swing set, and he had a, a little yellow basketball, and he was my neighbor, and I started playing with that ball. So from the fourth grade on, I'm starting to figure out how can I develop a way to get my education. And so I always had in my mind, I had to get my education. <clears throat> and so playing basketball and football was a vehicle by which I could get my education paid for. Mm. And I also had three brothers and a sister. Mm. So I had to set the table for them. So as I went through, and, and I was going to join the Army so that Uncle Sam could pay for my education. Right. But, but as God would have it, uh, uh, as I, a week before I got ready to join the Army, they started a basketball program at the local house at the local community college in my hometown. Now I had more football scholarship offers than I had basketball scholarships offers. Mm. But but I always tell people that you know I never lived more than 50 yards from the church I grew up in. Mm. And I always felt that I had that hedge of protection around me. Whenever I tried to do something that wasn't correct, um God it always seemed like God would kind of urge me back in the direction he wanted me to be in. Mm. And I should have gone to play full. I should have gone and taken the football scholarship, but I came down with a rash and could not, could not go. Mm. So that was a blessing because I shouldn't have been playing football in the first place. <laughs> okay. But, but, but I, every time that church still opened, we were in it. And I always tell people that whenever I try to do something wrong, so I tried to go to the Army during the, during the Vietnam War where I had this hedge of protection around me and said, no, we're going to start a basketball team four miles from you, and that's where we want you to go. So I go to Gaston Community College, and my coach happened to uh, put me in the car and take me around to all kind of colleges, and and I felt the need to get away from where I lived because it was it was not a very uh, pleasant place to grow up in. So I go to University of Tennessee, Martin, not knowing that I'm on the first black player to go there. Wow. And I don't know that, you know. I'm all I know is I want to get my education. I hadn't done all my research, scholarship, education. I'm in. I ended up going there being the first uh, black basketball player. And I never forget this. My, my, coach, my coach had a problem, had some issues. He was from old school. And I called my mother one night and said, Mom, I'm not real sure I can go to school here because she said, why? I said, my coach might be, you know, not, I'm not saying he prejudiced, but I'm not real sure that he's not. And my mother said, well, she said, where are you going? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, where were you going? Were you not going to deal with some issues? Right, right. That that I, that resonated with me. I stayed there, got my degree. And the interesting thing, though, when I got my degree, though, I adopted my brother Willie. He was mm -hmm. seventeen. He goes to college. He graduated from college. He, he has a, a lady who he went to college with, and they have two kids, and they go to college. I adopted my brother Barry when Willie left. He goes to college. My brother John, he went to college because I went to college. His son goes to college. I adopted my sister Pam. They go to college. So going and getting your education changed the whole culture of your family. Mm. So for me personally, that was what how I got started in life, trying to set the table. And I realized that all these youngsters behind me were looking for me for, for the example to set. So I had to be successful. But during that journey, um, you know, I'll, whenever I tried to mess up, now, 
I was going to join the Marines out of UT Martin because, you know, obviously during the days you had, you know, you got your number called up and my number had been called. And so it was over. But what happened was my, instead of going to the Marines, an assistant coach, uh, assistant graduate, a graduate assistant position became open at Austin Peay State University about 70 miles from my school. So instead of going to the Marines, I'm going to Austin Peay. Mm. Come on, man. You know, <laughs> Marines, war, college, right. graduate school. Right. Once again, that's that hedge of protection guiding me in direction because God had something else planned for me. Right. So I go to Austin Peay for, for three years, and once again, I get crazy. I lose, you know, I always say that one thing you got to have is emotional intelligence, but I lost it. Mm-hmm. My head coach, we, we went to NCAA tournaments, won the conference two years in a row with the kids I was able to recruit. And let me back up a minute. I'm on one, I'm a few months removed from playing college basketball. And in January, the full-time assistant coach became ill and had to resign. So I go from playing to being the only coach, the head coach guy. So all the responsibilities of a full-time coach I got when I'm married with a kid, adopted a brother, one year removed from playing basketball. So I'm thrown right into the fire where I had to learn. So the head coach is on his end coaching. I'm on the other end of the court teaching. And I'm not knowing that I'm not supposed to be in this position, but I was put in that position for a reason. Right, so after right. three years, you know, if you everybody know the story, I come to New York, first time I went to New York in my life, first kid I met was Fly Williams mm. and Danny Odom. Danny Olam came and Fly came. Uh, uh, Fly led the nation in scoring. Danny Olam broke the conference assist record as a freshman. Now, you know I didn't know what I was doing. That was my first recruiting trip ever while I was a graduate assistant working wow. on a master's degree. Now, that's not me. That's somebody having a hedge of protection on me. That's, like, that's that hand on my, on my life. Right. So I go from playing to recruiting the leading score in the country, broke a conference record. And so now, you know, we go to NCAA tournament two years in a row, so everybody think, I'm thinking I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm 26 years old, and my head coach is getting offers for jobs. So whatever confidence the man upstairs gave me, I walk into the president's office, and I say to him, if my guy gets the head job, am I going to be the next head coach at Austin P. Now I'm 26 years old, and I didn't <laughs> think to look around the country to see it wasn't a whole lot of guys who looked like me in 1964 that were head coaches. I, that right, didn't right. dawn on me. Right, but my, right. but my level of confidence and my belief in my ability to get the job done was at, at a, a, almost a crazy level. And when I went to the, the president, it became obvious to me that I was not going to get the head coach job at that time because of the sign of the of the of sign of the times. Mm-hmm. You know, that this was not going to happen with me, and I became very discouraged. That happened mm-hmm. to me on a Wednesday. I resigned on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I moved out of my house on Friday. I took a job with Dow Chemical on Monday in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I had intended to be, if I couldn't be a head coach because I was African American, I wanted to be the number one chemical salesman in the country. Now here again, I lost my emotional intelligence. I came motion and I made a rash decision that wasn't well thought out. Right. But as faith was right. having, at 12 o'clock the next day, I had, they told me to go find me an apartment. John C. Smith had offered me the head job. I wasn't 
wanted to take the job, and I was at on John C. Smith's campus, and my, I called the hotel, and my wife said, Joe Hall called you from Kentucky. Mm. And and he, I called him back, and he said to me, would you be interested in talking to me about assistant position on my staff? Now, needless to say, the reason Joe Hall knew me, because we Austin P had lost to Kentucky in a, a triple overtime game, 103, 106, in the NCAA tournament that, wow. that year with the wow. kids that I was able to bring in there. So he, he knew of my work. Mm-hmm. So he right. asked me, right. and, and Khalid, this is interesting because he said, I'm going to be out of town on Tuesday. Can you, I won't be back until late Tuesday afternoon. Can you come see me on Wednesday? So I said, Coach, can I call you back? I hung the phone, made my own plans reservation, and I called him back and said, Coach, I'll be in there on Tuesday when you come back. (laughs) 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 And and so he came back and we visited. And for about 4 o'clock, I said, Coach Hall, you have anything else you want to talk to me about? He says, no. And I said, Coach, um, I'm going to tell you four things. I'll be loyal to you. Won't nobody outwork me. I won't ever get you in trouble. And I'll make sure you got plenty of players. Mm. If you're not going to offer me this job, I'm going to go back to Charlotte. If you don't mind, I won't be the number one chemical salesman in the country. Now, here I go from being emotional at Austin Peay, quitting my, resigning my job, going to work on Monday in Lexington, Kentucky, interviewing for a job on Tuesday. <laughs> That's not me. I can't. <laughs> I'm not that good. That's that's my steps being ordered. Right. And so I go from not having a job on Thursday. I go from Austin P to the number one win this program in the history of college basketball on the next, the next week. But that's how my life has been. So it's quite obvious that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I always think all of our steps are ordered. Right. And the way you know that you're fulfilling God's purpose for you, and we all have a purpose, there's a piece of understanding that comes over you where you feel good about what you do every day. Right. And I feel good about what I do every day. So I go from from not having a job, selling chemicals, to Kentucky, and and I was there for 12 years. And then I got the head job. So my point to you, I've always felt my steps have always been ordered. And so when you ask me about my journey, what I'm saying to you, I think we all have a purpose in life. Now, it's up to us to find out what that purpose is. Right. And when you're fulfilling that purpose, when you feel good about what you do. And, and that's where my life has been. So when you talk, when you ask me that question, I know you didn't expect me you to get that story, <laughs> but, I, but I believe in being thorough. Absolutely. (laughs) No, great story. And, uh, you know, people need to hear that for sure. Well, but that's that's the way my life has been. And I enjoy what I do. I work with youngsters and try to take them from teenagers to young adulthood. And and you guys evaluate us, you guys in the media. Okay, y'all media people now, okay? Right, right. (laughs) But the point of it is, you evaluate coaches in terms of how many times they go to the NCAA tournament, you know, how many championships, how many coach of the year awards they get, where you're ranked, you know, and how many kids you put in the NBA. But you understand that everybody on your team is not going to the NBA. And 95% of all your kids are going to be husbands, fathers, citizens, and neighbors. And so 
in Florida State, we've only had two kids not graduate in 18 years. Mm. Now, now, when 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 you evaluate us at the end of our coaching career, you know, you're gonna evaluate us by how many guys went to the NBA. You're gonna have how many guys graduated, got their degrees, and they have good lives as a result of being a part of your program. To me, that's far greater than anything you do on the basketball court when you're helping young people move and mature into life where they they have a better way of life. And that's what we place all our emphasis on. Along the way, we hope that we win enough games. We hope that we can go to the NCAA tournament and those guys who have the ability to improve and put themselves in a position to have a chance to get in draft and, and realize their dreams, uh, we, we, we create that atmosphere for that to happen. But our philosophy is there's a lot of good players in the United States and around the world. But what what allows them to reach their potential is their minds and their spirits. So we spend more time coaching their minds and their spirits than we do their bodies. If their minds are right and their spirits are right and they conduct themselves properly, then they allow that their physical attributes will be will develop. And some of them go to the NBA, some of them go to Europe and play. But the most important thing, they leave them with their degrees. And when that ball starts bouncing, you know, I, I came out to practice the other day and took all the air out of the ball and threw it down on the floor and then bounced. And I, and I made it very clear to them. That's the way life is, and ball's going to start bouncing at some point. So if you got those papers, I realized how much it meant to me and my family because I changed the whole culture of my family as a result of me going to school and getting my degree. I owe that to them and their parents to make sure that I don't lose sight on what's really, really important. And that's my story, fellas. Mm. Well, you, you mentioned the recruiting piece, and, and you know, you're kind of an underrated recruiter. I mean, you know, you've been, you get big time guys also, but I'm wondering, you know, based on what you just, what you just said, is there a type of kid that you recruit? Um, because you, you know, you don't have, you know, you don't have like the normal, like blue blood system. You, you know, you got, you always have, you know, big time team efforts, uh, you know, play 10 to 12 guys, you know, some defense, play, yeah, defense, 15, 20 minutes. And then the same thing, you know, what you're saying off the court, like teaching kids off the court. So is there a particular type of kid that you look to recruit or is it, is it just we, you know, we we mold them once we get them? Well, my odyssey has been taking over programs that were not very good before we got there. I mean, mm -hmm. with potential, and maybe have been have been a little inconsistent over the years. And sometimes you take over programs, you have to implement a system that allows you to be successful with what you got. But now we're in a position where we have a system that we believe in, you know. Uh, offensively, we're trying to score in the first six seconds. We don't have it. We're going we gonna to make passes. We're going to move the ball. We're going to move the bodies. We're going to share the ball. We're going to share playing time. Um, and, and, from, and, and we, we want to recruit players whose skills fit our system. <clears throat> sometimes, you know, they're great players, and everybody want to recruit great players, but sometimes – even though a guy's a great player, he has to fit the way we want to play. You know, they call us big guard you. Well, you know, we we, we like long range because we switch one through five. 
you know, it's kind of hard for a five, six guy, five, seven guy, five, ten guy to be there in front of the post. So we, we normally have big guards and and and, and our, our our perimeter guys, our fours that are classified in some categorized in some group, we need for them to be skilled. The only real position on our floor on our team is our postman. Everybody else is interchangeable. So we want interchangeable positionless players that fit who we are. So a guy who who's who has who's versatile, he flourishes in our program and he has a chance to show, display his dribbling, passing, shooting, and more than anything else, his decision making skills because of the way we play in our system. And so that's why a guy like Patrick Williams, who's six eight and maybe could be a power forward, maybe could be a, a, a three four three man. Where he's playing one, two, three, and four for me because he's just playing. I can run the, I can get a rebound and run the offense. I can, I can fill the lanes and catch and transition. I can come off ball screens going left and right. You know, I move the ball. You know, so I can tack closeouts. And so a guy with skills is, has an opportunity to display that. Whereas one dimensional guys who may be great shooters who don't dribble, who can't create for somebody maybe might have a problem in our system. We create for each other. We win games by committee. We call ourselves 18 strong. And our kids play with that spirit in their mind. And, uh, and so it's a lot easier for the guys to flourish when a coach is not asking you to do something that's out of your skill set. You know, like for instance, sometimes you can get a big power and athletic shot blocking power forward who, you know, in the old school days, those guys were valuable with the, the way the game was played. Game, we don't play that way. And so, you know, we switch, we play, we play a fast pace, and um, we don't read scouting reports. You know, I don't worry about where kids are ranked. You know, it doesn't bother with me that Devin Vassells wasn't ranked. And when we recruited him, he fit what we thought we needed. I mean, six, six, seven, long arms. But, I mean, you know, I don't know what position Pat Williams was. I never – I just know he had skills and, a, and, and the body and, and the mindset to, to fit who we are and what we try to do. And that's what we are trying to do consistently. You know, we have two kids this year, lottery picks. We're going to have two or three kids next year, same way. And there are kids that you probably don't know their names right now. Maybe that's one. Right. That's right. Not, not, not all of them. <laughs> right. Right. Coach, talk about, uh, I think, an underwritten part of your legacy is your rebuilding programs. And what people don't understand on the East Coast is that Florida State, Miami, those are known to be football programs, and you turned them around, and now, like, basketball people are aware that those are now basketball programs, and a lot of that is due to, you know, what you've done. Talk about, like, building a, a culture of uh, a winning culture and uh, and insinuating basketball, putting basketball into the program? Well, I think having an opportunity to be at Officer P, put in a situation where I had to learn how to teach and develop and communicate. In other words, I am teaching and de developing players at Officer P that were older than me. In other words, there were kids on the team that were older than I was. So I had to develop a, a system of how to be positive, how to be encouraging, how to be uh, uh, and not be condescending where guys could leave and trust me. Uh, going, out, going to Kentucky, having a chance to be a part of the winners program. So I see why he, he do it on, at the highest level, the academics, the travel, 
the, the basketball camps, the recruiting at the high level, the game preparation for how it was against Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, North Carolina, you know, and all the SEC people. You had to, you were part of, of that learning experience for me as a young coach. So going to uh, Oklahoma State, you know, was, was, was a challenge for me, but I thought I was prepared. I understood what it was like totally, the being in the fishbowl existence, having to work hard, grind, and grow and develop. Because in order to stay, maintain the same level of consistency in Kentucky, that was hard work. So that, that worked out pretty good. And uh, what happened was we, I learned, I took what I learned in those other places. Secondly, I also took the value of getting an education that meant so much to me uh, with my family. I was the same thing we was doing in Kentucky, and I, it followed me. So, so you know, I, I feel that I, I grew along the way in, the, in the, 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 the stops that I made. I gained wisdom from those experiences. That's interesting also because you've been around the game a long time. The game has changed, but it seems like, you have you have no problem changing yourself like like you just said the offense we try to score in the first six seconds i assume that wasn't always your philosophy how have you changed with the game well i, I you know Achilles, you might not know but you might have been uh evaluating with me uh, with one nba teams back in the day <laughs> so, you know in my world in, in, at my level i was a pretty good player mm-hmm. but i i had an unselfish spirit it, it never bothered me in pickup games. All I wanted to do was win, defend and win. And that was my my persona. You know, even though I still hold the scoring record in North Carolina, 54 points in one game, I just want to throw that in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to that. <laughs> but, but, what but what I'm saying is, uh, but I really enjoyed being the car dealer. Um, I, re- I remember coming home one summer from college, and I was there for about three or four weeks, and I had a chance to coach a little league team of of um, four, fifth, and sixth graders. And <laughs> I had that running philosophy, and I actually was scoring, was scoring 80 and 90 points with fourth and fifth graders because they were my thing. So I've always wanted to do that. But sometimes when you go into college situations, asking kids to be something that they're not, it can end up being have an adverse uh, adjustment for you. So um, as as time has gone on, I, I, I've, I've moved closer to playing the way I enjoy playing, I enjoy mm-hmm. coaching, but I, it just so happens that that's the way the game's move. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, someone was, uh, Keely was, was criticizing me, saying, how in the world can you have two kids on your team that be that are drafted in the first round in back-to-back years, and neither one of them ever start a game? What are you thinking about? How can you have two pros not starting? And so, I mean, I I kind of felt that they was taking an undercut shot, and maybe I didn't know what I was doing. And I said, when Red Arback won nine straight NBA titles. He had John Havacek coming off the bench, Zach Sanders coming off the bench. He had Hall, four Hall of Famers coming off the bench. Y'all called him a genius. <laughs> right. I said, right. so now I got my kids coming off the bench and y'all questioning my judgment. Something wrong with that picture. Right. You know, and, and take for instance, the Clippers this year, 
they had two guys coming off the bench after 17 points a game. Absolutely. So I, I figured out that I got to have a rotation. And I don't necessarily have to have all great players. I just need to have all players that are good. And so we all playing at a high level and a high clip. But the play that is the way I want to play, it's hard to sustain that level of effort right. for long periods of time without trying to find a place to rest. Well, if I'm going to compete against the Blue Bloods in my league, I can't do a lot of resting, you know. And so I, I'm not going to have maybe the top five players in the ACC. I'm okay with that. But I'm going to have 10 or 11 that are pretty good. Right. <laughs> and that's where we're going to play. Right. We'll be 18 strong, win by committee, share the ball, share playing time. Now, if you come into our system and you look at our track record, we, we has, you know, we, we, I think we, we have 16 kids drafted in 18 years. Wow. And, and then with only two kids not graduating, and I think we've done okay. So my point to you is that our system, you can no longer take shots at us saying you're not going to get 25 shots a game, you're not going to get 35 minutes, you come here. Kids are saying you got you got to make a decision. But they, can, they can't cut us. So, and I'm not doing that for recruitment. I just believe that's the way we have to play in order for us to be successful. Our kids enjoy that. They enjoy playing to exhaustion. They enjoy, I create for you, you create for me. Right. And I create a high percentage shot for you, you create a high percentage shot for me. So we become a little more challenging when we, last year's team, we had nine different players, ladies and, ladies and scoring. Now you you go find that on the team. Nine different players on our team, ladies and scoring last year. That's a hard team to scout. There we go. <laughs> Right. I mean, so, but, but my point, if I'm going to be just like everybody else in my league, come on, man. If we all dress alike, sometimes they can be boring. I, I want to be different. You know? Right. And, and, and I need to be. If I play just the way everybody else playing, walking the ball down the court, you know, playing, playing my top seven, you know, the superstars, the McDonald's, all Americans, they get their 35 minutes, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be loaded. I'm not going to have five McDonald's on America with my team. You know, but my Burger Kings do just fine. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And especially when you, can, when you got two lottery picks. You know, I mean, people can't, can't hold that against you in, in recruiting because, you know, regardless, they play 15, 20 minutes a game, and then they still get drafted in the lottery. If, you're, if you end up being that good, you're still, people still see you. You still get drafted. What more, what more could you want? But, but you know, I... I I don't really try to coach to get kids drafted. Mm-hmm. I, I, we try to coach to get kids to reach their fullest potential. Mm-hmm. And our philosophy is if you can condition yourself where you don't take any possessions off. But see, in life, well, it's just, in life is just like basketball. No one wants to be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to be tired. Nobody want to be hot, cold. You don't want to be thirsty. You don't want to be hungry. You know, you, you, don't want to be, you don't want to be tired. You want to be fresh. You want to feel good. But in order for you in, in culture, if, I, if you're always comfortable, then how are you going to tap into that extra level to be the best you can be? Right. So I have to condition you to give me your best effort 
all the time. Now, we have three individuals on this call. We all have a predisposed, God-given potential. He didn't give me the same potential he gave you and vice versa. My job is that for you not to worry about being as good as me because I was a bad boy. That's what you know. <laughs> you know what Shout out to that, to that score record again. But go ahead, Coach. What I'm, saying is, what I'm saying is if I compare myself to you, God might have gave you a little more than he gave me. I got to be the best I can be. And so we try to condition our guys not to worry about anything but that which you can control. What you can control is your mindset every day. And if you come to practice every day with that purpose, if you practice that way, you play that way, and you reach your potential. Now, you have to get out of your comfort zone in order for you to be to test your limit. If you stay comfortable, you never test your limit. So our job is to consistently get them to understand. Now, that's easier said than done. You know, and our system holds everybody accountable for every possession. We will grade you on every defensive possession you're on the court. Mm. I'll come to you and I'll say, Glit, you had 15 times to close out. You only correct three of them. You didn't close out with your hands up. You, you, you didn't chop your feet. You had eight times to mirror the ball. You didn't mirror the ball. You had X number of times to block out. You didn't block out. So after every practice and every game, we grading you as to how many times you got what you're supposed to be doing correctly, individually. Not what your buddy did, right. what you did. Right. You know, so so did you get on, did you fight screens? Did you sink? Did you did you front the post? Did you did you close out correctly? Did you contest shots? Did you block out? Did you shrink the gaps? Was your hand on the line uh, between your man and your ball? Those things make the difference. So I'm holding everybody accountable. And if you're supposed to be fast breaking, you're supposed to be getting to your checkpoint, but you on the because the ball's on the right side of the floor, you're taking a break and you jogging on the left side of the court, that means you're tired. You know, because everybody got to be given the same effort all the time. You know, so when you condition your kids that way, then obviously, you know, they find a way to be who they are. You know, so that's kind of the way we, that's kind of the way we're approaching. You know, we don't have to scream and holler and fuss at you. You know, the films don't lie. We hold everybody accountable. And, and we treat everybody the same and everybody enjoys that. So, I mean, they, in the, the way we play, it's fun. Yeah. Practice is fun. Yeah, yeah I've been there. Yeah, yeah but you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I try not to, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that old, I'm not old school, you know. I don't coach by intimidation. Mm. You know, if I got, you can beat a mule, you can't get them to do anything. Yeah. If I got to scream and holler at you to get you to reach your potential, then what you gonna do when I'm not around? Right, right. And, right. Then, and I have to motivate you by breaking you down to build you up. If I gotta motivate you by how loud my voice is, and that that is what you accustomed to, then that's where you're gonna treat your kids, your family, your girlfriend, your wife. You know, the more upset I get, the lower my voice gets. Mm. And but but I don't I don't adhere to that. So the kids who play for us 
I think we have great relationships. And I think that's one reason why we are having a little bit of success. It sounds like in your program, um, obviously strength and conditioning has a lot to do with your success. Like what, what do you guys do off the court to get your guys, to get your guys in shape and to the condition standards that you want met in, in the program? My weight training conditioning coach has been with me for 23 years. Hmm. And, um, uh, we have individual weight training conditioning. We lift weights year round. You know, we don't we don't believe in power lifting. We believe in in uh, uh, high intensity weight training conditioning. You know, we don't do the power cleaning stuff. We don't do the uh, Olympic weight training. You know, we you know we believe in uh, high intensity weight training conditioning. We believe in. I don't do a lot of running after practice because I want all my running in practice. I want all my strength with the ball. I want, and um, we don't do any weights that put a lot of pressure on your knees and your back. We condition in the sand. We 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 start at six thirty in the morning in the sand pits in the off season condition, where we we do our slides, our runs, our hops, and uh, with low impact stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we try to get our conditioning during practice. And I, you know, I do some running at the, at the end of the practice, but my pace is, is 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 enough so that we don't have problems with conditioning. And I don't have problem, you know, burning your knees up and your back up by doing squats and cleans, like some people do. We right. we, we we have machines that keep everybody's body in balance, you know, so you're not putting that pressure on your back and your knees. Right. Right works for me right so how you guys looking this year what what are are your expectations for this year um obviously the pandemic everything everything is you know we don't know exactly how it's going to play out well what are your expectations on paper you just lost four guys Mm -hmm. trent forrest the the all-time leading winner in the history of our program Mm. With Trent Forrest being our point guard, we won nine straight overtime games. Mm, wow. With him being our point guard, we won. Now, if you, you've been around basketball. Have you ever known anybody win nine straight? No, nah, that's we – lost, We lost three games at home in four years. Uh, we are like 39 and eight or something in two possession games over the last four years. Um, but we've lost – Beasley, Bacon, Isaac, Mann, Fiondu Carmageddon, Jonathan Isaac. And every year we're supposed to be in rebuilding. And I think each year we've gotten better. Mm. We lost four guys this year, two lottery picks, Trent Forrest and, and Dominique, who's in Europe averaging close to a double-double. We're, not, we're supposed to be in a rebuilding year. But I think that my returning players have all improved. Uh, I like this team. It's hard. It's hard to replace lottery picks and, and not miss a beat at Florida State. So stay tuned. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let, me, let me just say, I, mean, I see the preseason rankings all the time, and so this, like, I think a couple of days ago, I was looking at the preseason rankings, and I see somebody had you like twenty-one or nineteen or something like that, and I'm like, oh, I, you can count. They'll be ten spots better than that. Every every year, you could just guarantee they're gonna be about ten spots better than what people say. <laughs> Don't sleep on those nose, okay? 
But I have to admit, we're behind like most teams. Mm -hmm. We haven't had very much practice. A lot going on. So we'll uh, – Thank you, I, Coach. I've enjoyed being with you guys, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for that. Thanks yes. for uh, coming on, Coach. Yeah, man, don't, don't – you guys show me a little more love. That don't keep me in the dark down in, down in Tallahassee. No uh, doubt. Anytime you guys want me on, just call my girl, okay? Okay. Right. Thank you, Coach. Hello. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks right. a lot. All right. The great uh, Leonard Hamilton. Uh, yes, sir. Us, blessed up with his, uh, with his presence today. Gave us many, many jewels in about, uh, you know, half an hour or so, maybe a little more. Time flies when you're having fun. Yep, uh, yep. That was great. Yeah, yeah, a lot of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding from the OG out of Florida State. And, um, you know, he took us on his journey, and it's been a one hell of a ride, man. And, and I'm, I've always been a fan of his, as a, even as an NBA scout, and, you know, definitely uh, hearing about his story uh, makes me more of a fan, and I'm, I'm rooting for them this year and during this COVID season. No question. And like, yeah, like I said, every time I see him in the preseason rankings, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got 21. It'd be top 10. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Cause, Cause every year they're like, Oh, how do these dudes do it? Like every year you're top 10. Right. In the ACC, right. one of the top three teams in ACC every year. So, um, and he, and he, you know, he gave us a glimpse how he does it. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was, that was some good stuff. Absolutely. And for the, for the players that are, that are listening, um, you know, if you if you want to be an NBA player, Florida State has to be on your on your uh, radar. I mean, he's produced guys uh, that have gone to into the lottery and came off the bench. So that says a lot about him as a coach and his culture, and about the players that are you know receiving the scholarships and going to to Florida State. Um, so shout out to Florida State. Them those those nose don't sleep on them, man. No question. And and you know. Two guys went lottery this this past year. Patrick Williams, who was a – I think he was a five-star recruit. But uh, Devin Vassell, as he mentioned, was a three-star recruit. He obviously improved uh, himself to that level to be a lottery pick. So, that, I mean, right. I, don't, I don't know what other selling point you would need other than that. Right, and right. A person, and a person who cares about you. And what, Absolutely. And going to make sure you graduate, understands your background, uh, right. We know the we know the uh, the makeup of most of most uh, basketball players, college players, are mostly young black men. Uh, he un he's been there, done that, understands how to make sure you're successful in life, as well as the game. Yeah, I mean he's the he's the new dean of black coaches. I mean, with the passing of the the great John Thompson, you know he's who he's who all our all the aspiring young black coaches should be looking to uh, achieve the heights of. So. Right, you know, he he's the legend that we all uh all the, the he has the shoes that we're all trying to walk in, no doubt. And uh, when we get him on next time, we'll we'll ask him uh, about that specifically. But he, you know, it's hectic times for him. Right. Uh, see, I think the season starts like Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of days, so yeah, he so, squeezed us in. So yeah, we appreciate so that, yeah, man. Khalid, you know, he looked out for you and came yeah. and came right on. So that that was great, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So thanks again for listening to another great episode of Up Next um, with the great Leonard Hamilton. Uh, keep listening. Uh, we'll have some more surprise guests for you along the way. Um, you know, keep supporting us. Keep following us, subscribing to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. 
Uh, keep following us on social media at Up Next Pod on Instagram at Up Next underscore Pod on Twitter. And uh, you know, next week, same deal. We'll be right back at you with uh, some more great content. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace. This one is for the city. Let's show them how we rock. Coaches used to call my phone. What you doing? Just got home. Practice make them perfect. Perfect timing. Put me in my zone. Two, three, thirty-two. Thirty-three like birdie two. Time to put on for your city when they never heard of you. Ball player. Ain't no watching from the side. Uh, picking up them pieces. Ain't no limits in the sky. Uh, said you got up next. Well, gon' show them why. Uh, one, two. That's a three, now take your shot ball player Bishop Lachlan, purple and gold That's a flex, uh, Kylie Green Got me a scally for he left